Okay, so today we'll take a look at Deuteronomy chapter 11. So last we were looking at Deuteronomy chapter 10, where we saw some interesting things. Uh, we saw that uh, God gave the second set of 10 commandments uh, to Moses, uh, which was kept uh, in the Ark of God. And we saw that the Ark of God uh, signifies uh, the presence of God. And wherever we see the presence of God, we also see uh, God's provision. We see God's prosperity. And we also see God's wisdom uh, since the Ten Commandments were kept uh, inside the Ark of the Covenant. And we also saw that the cover of the Ark of the Covenant uh, was the mercy seat. So it also speaks of God's mercy. And we also saw the death uh, of Aaron. So Aaron died uh, in the wilderness yeah. uh, before making it to the promised land. Mm -hmm. The priesthood of Aaron was passed on uh, to his son. So we know that uh, Aaron committed the sin of uh, creating graven image when Moses uh, interceded. Uh, we can assume that God uh, forgave Aaron and the priesthood was passed on to his son. And we also saw the special calling of Levites. Uh, they were called to bear the ark and also to minister to the Lord. And also, unlike the other tribes, the Levites, uh, they were not given a physical land. Uh, but their inheritance uh, was God uh, himself. And we saw what God expects uh, from each one of us uh, in the light of the commandments that he has given, in light of the word of God that he has given. Uh, he expects us to fear him, uh, to obey him, and to worship him. And when we do that, uh, we can also experience uh, God's blessing. And of course, in Deuteronomy, the uh, obedience uh, led to material blessings. Uh, but in the New Testament, we see that the blessings that are given to us are all uh, spiritual blessings and everything else that God does in his will. And we ended with the uh, circumcision of heart, uh, which speaks about the uh, internal change uh, that takes place when we uh, surrender our life to the Lord. So God is not looking for uh, superficial things. Uh, he's not looking for outward things. Uh, he's looking for real change uh, that comes uh, from within. Uh, when our heart is changed and it is obedient uh, to the Lord and it is fully surrendered to the Lord. And we ended with verse 21, which says, He is thy praise. Uh, he is thy God who has done these great and terrible things which thine eyes have seen. So chapter 11 begins with therefore, uh, which would imply that uh, the, the thought uh, whatever was introduced in chapter 10 is continuing into chapter 11. So we can divide the chapter uh, into six sections. Uh, so we'll consider verses one through eight, uh, which is anchored in that word, uh, therefore, which means uh, what must the Israelites do uh, based on what the Lord is showing them. And secondly, in verses 9 to 12, we see what was special uh, about the promised land. And in verses uh, 13 through 15, we see how obedience uh, can support uh, agriculture. And in verse 16 to 20, we see that our heart is uh, deceived and how we can avoid a deception of our heart and the loss of blessings uh, that results when our heart is deceived. And in verse uh, 21 to 25, we see the blessings of honoring the word. And the chapter concludes with uh, presenting us uh, with two choices, a blessing or curse. 
So we'll begin with uh, verses one through eight, uh, which is anchored uh, in two words, uh, therefore. So we asked the question, uh, what must the Israelites do based on what God is going to teach them? Okay, so this section verses one through eight uh, is anchored in the words, uh, therefore, and God is reminding them about certain things uh, between uh, these two verses. And based on chapter, uh, verse two, we can see that this is being addressed uh, to the survivors uh, of the first uh, generation uh, who had experienced uh, the blessings, who had experienced the miracles that God did uh, in their midst, and who had also uh, gone through the discipline or the chastisement of God uh, in their lives. And as we have seen before, uh, Moses is always reminding the people of Israel uh, that they should not forget uh, history, they should not forget uh, God's uh, dealings with them uh, in the past, and in this section, he's reminding them of a few things, uh, some that are positive and one that is uh, negative. So he begins by talking about uh, Egypt and how they were delivered uh, from Egypt and also some of the miracles and the plagues uh, that they would have witnessed uh, when God was uh, doing his work and when Moses was interacting with Pharaoh, uh, trying to get uh, deliverance. And once they left uh, Egypt, uh, we know that they were confronted uh, with the Red Sea. And again, they saw the hand of God uh, overthrow the Egyptian army and the horse and the rider were thrown into the sea. So, uh, so they got the deliverance from Egypt and they experienced God's power in Red Sea. And when they were in the wilderness, uh, we again see a long history of God's uh, presence, uh, God's uh, protection, and also God's uh, provision. So Exodus uh, 13 and 21 uh, is a beautiful verse uh, that reminds them that the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light uh, to go by day and night. So that speaks of God's uh, continuous uh, faithfulness uh, in their life, God's continuous guidance, and we know that God also provided for them uh, during that time. As we read in Deuteronomy 8.4, the raiment uh, waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell uh, these uh, 40 years. And during that experience uh, in the wilderness journey, uh, we see uh, God as a God of justice, a God who chastises them, God who corrects them, and God who also disciplines them uh, severely uh, on certain occasions uh, when they rebel or when they make wrong choices. So, uh, so we are told about one incident about Dathan and Abiram in verse 6. And it goes back uh, to what we read in Numbers 16, where Dathan and Abiram, uh, they are disciplined uh, for challenging the leadership of Moses. So that is a pretty uh, dramatic uh, incident uh, that is recorded uh, in chapter 16 of Numbers. And here they, uh, they challenge the leadership uh, of Moses. So essentially they say, uh, why do you think God has uh, made you a leader or why you should be leading over us? And Moses uh, in turn uh, gives, uh, gives them a challenge uh, as we read in Numbers 16, uh, 29. Uh, if these men die, the common death of all men, or if they be visited after the visitation of all men, 
then the Lord hath not sent me. So the challenge uh, that he's putting before them is that if they die a natural death, which would be, uh, which would be the likely outcome, then he's saying that that would imply that Lord hath not sent me. But he puts a more uh, miraculous thing uh, to justify that it is God who appointed him. So he says, uh, if the Lord make a new thing and the earth open our mouth and swallow them up with all that pertains to them, uh, then ye shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord or they have challenged uh, the leadership of the Lord. So here we see that Moses uh, is making a very bold uh, challenge and he's uh, essentially calling upon the Lord to uh, support him uh, with a great uh, miracle that they can witness uh, with their eyes. And we see that God uh, vindicates uh, Moses and the earth opened her mouth and all of them were swallowed up. So again, it shows that when God uh, Moses calls upon God, uh, God uh, answers his prayer, answers uh, his petition, and in this case, uh, he again does a miracle uh, that the people of Israel could see, and they could also see that they would be chastised uh, when they go against God's ways. So uh, Moses is reminding from verse 1 through 8, a history of God's dealing. And when we look back uh, in our lives, and when we think of all that God has done for us, uh, it should uh, inspire us uh, to obey God and to worship him. And when we uh, consider the character of God, when we consider uh, the covenant that God has with us, uh, again, uh, it should inspire us uh, to obey him and worship him. And that is what Moses uh, is calling upon them. He is saying that your eyes have seen uh, all the great acts of the Lord, uh, which he did. So everything that they have seen, uh, right from the time they were in bondage in Egypt, right through the experiences uh, that they are having in the wilderness, uh, both positive and negative, uh, reminds them that there is only one living God uh, who is able to do great acts. So it is not theory for them. It is not something that they're reading in the book, or it is not something that they are simply hearing. But Moses uh, is reminding them that they have actually seen all of these and they have experienced all of that. And if that is the case, uh, we see the second anchor, which is therefore, you should love the Lord and keep his commandment uh, always. So our obedience uh, to the Lord, uh, it must be complete and it must be uh, consistent. So oftentimes uh, we are able to love the Lord, but we find that the consistency is missing. And here Moses is reminding them that they need to love and keep his commandment always. And he also ends in verse 8 by saying, uh, keep his commandments. So that is what we see in uh, first section. And when the people of Israel, when they love and keep God's commandments, uh, we see the result in verse 8 and 9. Uh, they will be strong and they would possess uh, the promised land and they would live long and enjoy the land uh, that is flowing uh, with milk and honey. And the same thing is true for us. Uh, when we love the Lord always, uh, we will also be spiritually strong and we will be able to face uh, the challenges and the storms of this life. And we also will be able to possess uh, the promised land, which is the 
uh, fullness of the salvation experience that the Lord wants to give to us. And it would be a salvation experience uh, that is flowing with milk and honey, uh, which is symbolic uh, of great joy and great blessing that we can enjoy uh, through obedience to the Lord. And in verses uh, 9 through 12, we look at the second question, which is uh, what is uh, special uh, about the promised land? Again, this is a short passage, but it's a beautiful passage that again reminds us of the promised land. And the key phrase there is that the promised land is not like the dry land of Egypt. So that has the uh, implication or it gives us an image that God wants to take us uh, to a better place. So as we think of our own uh, salvation experience, as we think of our own uh, journey of faith, uh, God's desire is to always uh, take us uh, to a better place, uh, to take us uh, to a higher ground. And in this case, uh, it is the physical land where it is. it states in verse 10 that it is not like the dry land of Egypt. It's not as the land of Egypt from where you came, where you had to sow the seed and water it with thy foot as a garden of herbs. So the Lord is bringing them out of land of Egypt, and he's telling them that he's going to take them uh, to a better place. And that is the same thing with our salvation experience. God wants to take us uh, to a better place. And the promised land, uh, it is a land that is flowing with milk and honey. Uh, it is a land of abundance. And it is a land of hills and valleys that drinks the water from heaven. So the water is being supplied uh, by the Lord uh, through rain. Uh, unlike uh, Egypt, where they had to water it with their foot, with their foot, which means there was some kind of mechanical device. Uh, since the land of Egypt was dry, they had to generate uh, water and they had to sow the seed. But here we see that the Lord is providing for them uh, through uh, from heaven itself. And it is a land that God cares for, as we read in verse 12, and his eyes are watching uh, from the beginning of the year, uh, even unto the end of the year. So here again, there's a reminder that when they get to the promised land, uh, God is going to take care of them uh, from the beginning uh, till the end. In verse 13 through 15, we can see how obedience uh, to God will also support the land or support the agriculture. Okay, so again, we see the same uh, kind of uh, implication. Uh, the blessings that come from God are tied to the obedience. So here it says, uh, if you obey, then it would result in God's uh, blessing of timely rain. Uh, there would be <clears throat> the first rain uh, to prepare the land for sowing, and there would be a latter rain uh, during harvest time. And there would be grass uh, for the cattle, there would be rich uh, harvest, and there would be plenty to eat. So if this is the agreement that the Lord is making, that if you obey, you would experience all of this, uh, we see that despite uh, this great uh, opportunity or this great uh, agreement that the Lord is making, uh, we see that people of Israel, they still uh, disobeyed the Lord, and they uh, they compromised and they traded off the blessings that the Lord was uh, willing to give them. And the same thing is true in our life. Uh, obedience uh, can lead to great blessings, but oftentimes uh, we compromise, uh, we disobey, and we 
give up the blessings uh, that the Lord has kept for us. So there is no rich uh, harvest uh, in our life. We are often lacking uh, things. Uh, we are often not content uh, in life. Uh, we don't have the joy and the peace that God wants to give us. And nothing is happening in a timely manner uh, because uh, we are not fully obedient to the Lord. So the basic uh, principles that we see uh, that is given to the people of Israel uh, are the same thing that applies even to us. If you want to enjoy timely rain and riches of God's love and riches of God's blessing, uh, we need to subject ourselves uh, to complete uh, obedience. And in uh, verses 16 to 20, we are reminded that our heart is uh, wicked and it can be easily deceived and how we can avoid uh, the deception of our heart. So the remedy that is given for avoiding deception of heart uh, uh, it also seems very straightforward. So let's see what we read here in 16 through 20. Okay, so here uh, we see the deception of heart uh, is seen by the drifting of our faith. And in the book of Deuteronomy, we see that oftentimes the people of Israel are drifting away from worshiping the true God. And oftentimes they are very easily drawn uh, to worshiping uh, idols. So that is one of the big uh, weakness or the big failure uh, in the life of Israelites. Uh, they are frequently drawn away to idol worship, which obviously God hates, and that brings in God's uh, chastisement and God's uh, punishment. And the consequences of that, as we read in verse uh, 17, is that uh, there would be no more rain. So we know that God controls uh, everything in this world, and in Amos uh, chapter 4 and verse 7, it says, God, uh, also I have withholden uh, the rain from you when there were yet three months uh, to the harvest. So God is the one who controls the natural elements. And if there is disobedience uh, in our life, uh, we would also see some uh, chastisement. Uh, we would see uh, the loss of blessings in our life. So it goes on to say in verse 17, uh, there would be no more uh, harvest or rich harvest, the land will not yield her fruit and life itself uh, will be uh, destroyed. So earlier they were promised a long life, but that was uh, subject to their obedience. They were promised a rich harvest and timely rain, but all of that would be taken away uh, if their heart is uh, drifting away from the true God and going towards their old life of worshiping idols and serving them. So we are also given the cure uh, for the deception of heart, uh, which is seen as a sickness. So just like we go to the doctor for heart disease and cardiac arrest and so on, in the same way in our spiritual life, when our heart is not in a good condition, uh, in verses 18 to 20, uh, we are given uh, what is the cure. And the cure is simply uh, the word of God, which is what uh, the book of Deuteronomy is trying to emphasize, the word of God that was given by God and given through Moses uh, to the people of Israel. And as we saw in chapter six, uh, we are told that we need to retain uh, the word of God. And secondly, we need to remember the word of God. So we need to be able to keep the word of God in our heart and to take it out uh, when the time comes in different situations, uh, in different uh, circumstances. 
so that it can be uh, it can be the wisdom and it can guide our life and we are also told that we need to transfer the word of god we need to teach the word of god to our children and to others as the opportunity comes and we need to uh, display the word of god so the word of god should be seen uh, in our life uh, so it should be a living witness uh, through what we say through what we do and what we think so those are the four things we need to do with the word of god we need to retain it we need to remember it we need to transfer it and we need to display it and as we read in proverbs chapter 4 verse 20 through 22 uh, my son attend to my words incline thine ear unto my sayings uh, let them not depart from your eyes uh, keep them in the midst of your heart for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh so here again we are given the wisdom uh, from proverbs that when we keep uh, the word of god uh, in our heart uh, it brings uh, health uh, to our flesh not just in a physical sense, but more so in a spiritual sense. Uh, we are kept uh, spiritually healthy and we are kept away from the devices of the evil one or the attacks of the devil. And Jeremiah chapter 17, 9 and 10 reminds us that our heart is uh, deceitful and desperately wicked. So we need to guard our heart. And the way to guard our heart is to be fully uh, engrossed uh, in the word of God, to read it, to meditate it, to retain it, and to apply it uh, daily in our life. And in uh, 21 through 25, we are told what are some of the blessings of honoring the word that God has given us, honoring the word that Moses was giving them, and what we see today uh, in the Bible. Okay, so again, this is a great passage that reminds us of the blessings of keeping the word of God. Uh, our days uh, will be multiplied and we will be in the promised land, which is like heaven upon earth. So oftentimes we use the expression of uh, enjoying life to the fullest, uh, which feels like heaven upon earth. Uh, but oftentimes uh, people use it uh, without really understanding it. But the real heaven can be enjoyed on this earth uh, when we have the presence of God in our life, when we have the word of God uh, in our life. And also in verse 22, that the Lord will drive out and Israelites will be able to possess uh, the land. So we are constantly reminded that as God's people, uh, we can drive out or we can be victorious uh, over things that are much bigger than us, which are much more, uh, more challenging than us. And the Bible says uh, no weapon that is formed against us uh, will prosper. So that is the heritage of God's children. That we, that we can take on uh, challenges, uh, even though they may seem like giants, but with the grace of God, with the help of God, uh, we can possess uh, nations uh, that are greater and mightier than us. And the enemy will be afraid of us. So when we have the word of God in our life, uh, we can also face the enemy with great uh, confidence. Uh, enemy could be anything. It could be people. Uh, it could be circumstances uh, that we are facing. Uh, when we have the word of God, when we have the promises of God, the Lord is promising us that we will be victorious and the enemy will be afraid, which was the case when the Israelites uh, entered the promised land. And 
the chapter ends with, by presenting us uh, two choices, uh, which is consistent with what we read also uh, in the New Testament and maybe throughout the Bible. Uh, the choices that are given to us are very black and white. So the challenge for us uh, is to make sure that we are picking the right choice. Uh, there is no middle ground. There is nothing like, uh, like the middle of the highway. Uh, we have to make one choice, uh, which has a clear consequence. Okay, so here the two choices that are given are very plain and simple. Uh, we are told there would be blessings uh, that will follow obedience, and there would be curses uh, that will follow disobedience. And again, it's in the context of the Old Testament. When we obey, God was promising them uh, certain blessings, and when they disobeyed, uh, there was curse. And when we think of curse, uh, anytime there is uh, disobedience uh, in our life, uh, there is always a price to be paid. Uh, it could be a natural loss. Uh, when we make mistakes, uh, we may face natural losses. And obviously, there would be spiritual losses uh, when we uh, disobey the Lord. So that itself can be taken as a curse, uh, even today when we are living uh, our life of faith. and. Uh, we are told about the blessings uh, in two, in Gerizim and the curse in Ebal, but we'll also consider that in chapter uh, 27. So we'll skip that for now. And, and in Galatians uh, chapter 3, uh, verses 10 through 14, uh, we are reminded that uh, Christ has redeemed us uh, from the curse of the law, uh, being made a curse for us. So there is no longer the same uh, thing that applies to us. We are not uh, under the curse, but we have been redeemed uh, from the curse of the law uh, through the finished uh, work on the cross. So Christ himself uh, took upon himself uh, all of our sins, and he became the cursed one uh, on the tree. So as we read in verse 11 of Galatians 3, that no man is justified by law in the sight of God, uh, it is evident for the just uh, shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but that man that doeth them shall live in them. So through Christ dying on the cross, uh, we see that the Gentiles also entered into the same blessing. As we read in verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Uh, through faith. So today we can receive the same blessings uh, by putting our trust on the finished uh, work of the cross. So we don't have to do any works uh, to enjoy the blessings. Uh, we simply have to receive it uh, by faith. And we are not uh, under the curse because all of our sins are forgiven uh, when we come to the cross. So, and the work is fully finished. So we don't have to earn our salvation. Uh, we simply have to believe. And in Luke chapter 16, uh, 22 to 26, which is a famous uh, story, it speaks about uh, the, the Lazarus uh, and the rich man, and they both die and reach a different uh, destination. And the point there, as we read in verse 26, uh, between the Lazarus and the rich man who ended in heaven or hell, at, as the picture is given, uh, there is a great uh, gulf uh, that is fixed. So once we make a choice, once we die, we will, our destination is uh, confirmed. 
And there is nothing that can take us from one point to the other. Uh, there is a great gulf between the two places. So we see that in our life, only two choices are given to us. Uh, it is either heaven that would lead to everlasting life. And if you choose uh, to reject uh, the cross, if you choose to reject Christ, uh, we will end in hell, uh, which is eternal torment uh, in hellfire and eternity that is spent uh, without God. So we'll end with this verse in John 3.36. Uh, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son uh, shall not see life, but the wrath of God uh, abideth uh, in him. And verses 31 and 32, uh, we see that the promises are reinforced that ye shall possess the land and dwell in it, and ye shall continue to observe uh, God's commands. But we know from history that uh, Israelites. Uh, even though they entered the promised land uh, because of their sins, uh, they were not able to possess it uh, forever. They were taken captives uh, to Babylon. And we also see that uh, even though they were repeatedly told uh, to observe God's command, uh, they fell short of that expectation and they often fell into sin. They often fell into idolatry and idol worship which uh, resulted in loss of blessings. So all of history is recorded uh, for our remembrance and also for lessons that we can learn so that we don't make the same mistakes uh, that we see in the life of Israelites.